0: the holy it says on him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us what a great statement of faith do you love to worship the lord I mean, he has created us for this he has created us for this. that's why you exist that's why i exist all right you may be seated Hey, while you're, while you're being seated, let me just make a couple of announcements just that are really important. Our Thanksgiving baskets that are going out, many of you have taken the boxes and filling them. If you have boxes, you need to get them back to the church by Wednesday. And then on Thursday at 5 o'clock, we have a team that's going to start assembling the boxes and putting them all together. You know what, if you'd like to take part in that, if you'd like to help, then show up 5 o'clock on Thursday. And uh, we're going to put about 200 boxes together as we get ready to send them out on next Sunday on November the 22nd. After the service, we'll have maps and everything and and people that want to deliver boxes on their way home. And I'd tell you, uh, man, what an awesome deal. Uh, if you're able to do that and and just be a part of that, to be able to take it to someone. And and, uh, we've ordered the 200 turkeys through Andrews, and so don't bring your turkeys to church. Uh, (laughs) Anyway. uh, a lot of things went through my mind with that but uh if you'd like to designate money to help purchase turkeys that'd be fine but we're purchasing the turkeys and so uh so we'll have them here and put them all out and so that happens next wednesday And then men uh, we have a men's breakfast saturday at eight o'clock here and we would love for you to join us if, if you have time uh, it's just been a blessing in my life, and so this morning we're going through Second Corinthians chapter three. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Second Corinthians chapter three, verses one through six. We're only going to look at, at three at six verses this morning. We're going to look at this issue of of just finding confidence. You know, there's paradoxes of Scripture, and I don't know if you've ever noticed that, but in in some Scripture, Scripture tells you that we're to be humbled, right? That that we're to walk in humility, that we're we're to be humble. And then you read in other scriptures, it says, you know what, we're, we're to be confident. So how do you reconcile these two virtues together? How do you walk in humility but be confident at the same time? Because we know that confidence and self-confidence is, is very important. I mean, an athlete would not be a good athlete. Without confidence, an athlete would never be able to get off the bench if they didn't believe in themselves and have confidence in themselves and, and have some ability. A public speaker. Would never be an effective public speaker is if if when they got up they were so nervous and and had nervous ticks and and they were just nervous and they couldn't remember what they were going to say and couldn't remember their speech and and you know if you've ever been in those situations where you've seen someone up and they're so nervous that you're like just pulling for them you know you're hoping they can get through it and they're so nervous they make you nervous and even if they have something good to say you just you just can't understand it and so so we understand that confidence is important in life and. Paul would even say that self-confidence is even important in life when you share your testimony about who God is, that you're able to share it with confidence in what God has done for you and what God is doing in your life. And so without confidence, it's hard to be effective in telling people about Christ. And you don't need to turn, but 2 2 Timothy 1, 6 and 7, uh, Paul was writing to Timothy and he said this. He says, for this reason, I remind you to fan the flame, the gift of God, which is in you. Through the laying on of, of, of my hands, for, uh, for God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Listen, if someone lacks self-discipline, it's hard for them to be effective in life. It's hard for someone to minister. It's hard for someone to sing a solo. It's hard for someone to teach. I mean, here a while back I had uh, surgery, and, and uh, can you imagine if the surgeon looked at me and says, Oh, man, when I do this surgery, I get so nervous. I mean, I get so nervous when I do this surgery, I don't even know if I can do it. And I just get so nervous, and I forget my training, I forget my teaching, and, and I, just, I just hope you wake up. Now, do you think I would follow through with a surgeon like that? Do you want to go to a mechanic that is so nervous about their ability? Do you want to sit across the, the desk from a banker or a school teacher or an accountant or an electrician or a plumber or whatever, and it doesn't seem like they have the self-confidence enough to, to, to do what you've asked them to do? So we know that self-confidence is very important. And in fact, his Reader's Digest quoted a, a psychologist and said this, that, that we are born with only two innate fears, the fear of falling, and the fear of loud noises. Everything else is learned. Everything else in life is acquired or developed. Now listen, it is a terrible thing in life to go through life afraid of people. To go through life in such a way that you're afraid of people, that you're so insecure, that you're always lacking self-confidence because you're worried about what they say about you, what they think about you, if they accept you, if they approve you, if they disapprove of you. And listen, life like that will be exhausting. Fact is, life like that, you will ride the, the proverbial emotional train and it'll go up and down. Because approval is something that you can lose because it's external, not internal. So Paul comes to this part and he begins talking about this issue of confidence and and he really talks to him about confidence in three different areas and and basically where you don't get confidence from and then where you gain confidence from and the first thing that Paul tells his group of Corinthians is this, he says, our confidence will never come from people, you just need to understand that. Our confidence, my confidence, your confidence will never, ever, ever, ever come from people. He says this in chapter 3 verse 1. He says, are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendations to you are from you. See, Paul was not out to impress people. Paul could have impressed people. Paul was brilliant. He was a world traveler. He was an apostle. He was starting churches. I mean, the apostle Paul wrote more words in the New Testament than any other New Testament writer. When you look at Paul's life, you realize that Paul had the impressive credentials, Hebrew of Hebrews, and and circumcised on the eighth day, and all these other things. And, And if he wanted to impress people, he could. But Man, he wasn't trying to impress anyone. You see, letters of recommendations, you just need to understand this culturally. Culturally in their time and their day, they would carry letters of recommendations. You see, they didn't have credit cards and they didn't have debit cards and they didn't have instant credit in their days, and so when they traveled, they needed something that gave them credibility. So what they would do, they would either go to a king, they'd go to a leader, they'd go to a governor, they'd go to whoever, and they'd get letters of recommendations so that when they traveled, it gave them instant credibility with whatever town they were in or with the, whoever they talked to. Religious leaders did the same thing. Religious leaders, the apostles and everyone else, would carry with them letters of recommendations to give them credibility that they're from God, they're of God. And so this was happening culturally in their time, but what was happening in the church was this, that some false apostles, some, some uh, imposters came into the church, and they had embellished letters of recommendations for themselves. And so they're saying, where's Paul's? Letters of recommendations. I mean, did he get a letter of recommendation from the Jewish council or the Jerusalem council? Did he get letters of recommendations from... How about about the 12? Did he get letters of recommendations from them? But see, Paul knew in in their day that letters of recommendations really didn't mean much anymore because people would embellish them or people would lie, put things on there that wasn't true. Their letters of recommendations in their day is really no different than letters of recommendations in our day when we write a letter of recommendation for someone who's trying to get a job, who's trying to get into a college or a school, who's trying to go to work for a non organization because our letters of recommendations in our day gives people credibility. That's why companies, that's why organizations ask for a letter, a reference, a letter of recommendations. But in ancient times and Boy, in our times as well. You ever notice some letters of recommendations don't mean much? You ever read someone's resume, read someone's letter of recommendation, and it just didn't align? I was reading an article in a business magazine, and, and a hum, human resource person, he was head of a human resource department, was telling the story about one day in their company, they had a lazy employee that they all wanted to get rid of, and his name was, well, they made up his name, but, his name, but they called him Bob Johnson, and so, so they knew that they wanted to get rid of Bob Johnson, and so they talked to him, they had the meetings, they put him on probation, you know, they did the normal stuff, and so Bob Johnson one day came to them and says, hey, listen, if you will just write me a letter of recommendation, I will find a job and I'll leave. Well, they were excited, but at the same time, they didn't want to lie. And they wanted to be honest with what they wrote, so here's what they wrote. To whom it may concern, if you can get Bob Johnson to work for you, you will be extremely fortunate. A pastor one time was telling the story about in the church, he had a, just an obnoxious, difficult church member that was just making his life miserable. And a guy came to him and says, hey, listen, I, I, I need a letter of recommendation. I'd like to volunteer at, at the homeless shelter, and they need a recommendation from my pastor. And so he prayed and didn't want to lie and didn't want to exaggerate about what he should write. So here's what he wrote. When you come to know Tim Hawkins the way I know him, I'm confident you'll feel about him exactly the same way I do. And so sometimes in our lifetime, uh, letters of recommendations do not mean much. And that's what Paul was saying. Paul was saying, you know what, do you need a letter of recommendation from me uh, to you? Because they, they just don't mean much anymore. And, and so there's basically a few reasons why we never put our confidence in people where we don't gain self-confidence from people, the first one is this, is because people are inconsistent. Have you ever noticed that? People can love you one day, hate you the next. They can agree with you one day, disagree with you next. They can compliment you one day, and they'll complain about you the next. I mean, people are inconsistent in their decisions and in their commitments. The same with Jesus, right? I mean, remember Jesus? One day it was hail Jesus, and they were praising him, and the next day it was nail Jesus and nail him to the cross. I mean, people are inconsistent. People can be with you one day. I mean, they can be against you the next. John Elway, in, in the parade magazine last Sunday, they did an article in, in the, you know, the question and answer period deal in the, in the parade, and they asked a, a, someone had written in and asked a question about, they had heard that John Elway played uh, fantasy football. They wanted to know if it was true. And so they asked him if it was true, and his response was, yeah, it's true. I play fantasy football with about 20 other buddies. It keeps me connected with football and the camaraderie that I miss and all this other stuff. And then they came back and asked him another question. He says, well, what kind of sports fan are you? Do you scream and do you yell at the TV set? And and here's what he said. He said, I guess I'm more subdued fan than others. Having been in the quarterback pocket, I am probably a lot more forgiving than some people. See, there's something about criticism in life and criticism usually diminishes when we have a better understanding of someone's circumstances. See, criticism in life, it's so easy to look into someone else's life when you've never gone through those circumstances, when you've never faced those challenges, when you've never gone through those problems. And it's so easy to look into their life and to criticize. A teacher understands a teacher better than anyone else about the challenge of parents and students. An accountant understands an accountant. A doctor understands a doctor better than anyone else. A carpenter, whatever. And so what Paul was saying, and one of the things about people is this, is that the problem with people is they're just inconsistent. The second thing he says, you know what? He says, people are often wrong. If you get your confidence from people, it'll be up and down. But he says the problem is is that not only are people inconsistent, but people are often wrong. Here's some things I found. Thomas Edison, his, his grade school teacher said he was stupid and he would never learn. Walt Disney worked for a newspaper. He was fired from the newspaper whose editor said he never had one creative idea in his life. Fred Smith, the head of Federal Express got the idea of a door-to-door delivery service while he was in college. He wrote his thesis on the idea, and his professor gave him a C-, minus, disapproving of the concept and said it would never catch on. <laughs> Michael Jordan, cut from his high school uh, basketball team, said he locked himself in a room and cried for two weeks because he had never played bas- basketball because of what a coach said about him. And Noah preached for 120 years. The only conversions were his family. That's like a give me for a a preacher. (laughs) If his self-confidence had been tied to what people said about him, their opinions, it would destroy him. And Paul said, man, putting your confidence in people is so dangerous because they're often wrong. Boy, they're inconsistent. And another thing is people's tastes are varied. Have you ever noticed that? What one likes, someone else hates. What's so interesting about being a pastor is 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 you know just just listening to to some of the things that are said. And 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 you can have some people come out of a service and say, Oh man, the service was flat today. You can have another group of people and say, Man, service was like over the top. It was like incredible. And a lot of times in churches, the things that people are complimenting, there's other groups of people that are, 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 are complaining about. And so, so you've got to understand this issue that, that people's tastes are varied. Bill Cosby said this. He says, I don't know the key to success, but the key to failure is this, to try to please everybody. You'll destroy your life if you try to please everybody. Paul wrote this in Galatians 1.10. This brought me so much encouragement when I learned this years back. He says, and now... Am I trying to win the approval of men or of God? Or am I trying to please men? If I was still, you caught that, right? If I was still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of God. It tells me that at one point, Paul was a man pleaser. It tells me at one point in his life, Paul cared about what people said about him. And Paul came down to the point and says, guess what? If I was still trying to please men like I was before I was a Christian, before I knew Christ, if I was still trying to please man, I'd never lose. I'd never walk away from Judaism. I'd never come to the point to understand who Christ is and what Christ has done for us. If I was still trying... Listen, let me tell you something. If you are trying to please people, you will never become the servant of God that he has called you. Because people will carry more weight in your life than he will. Their approval will mean more to you than his approval. If your self-confidence, if your security depends on the opinions of people, and I'm just telling you, your life is going to be miserable. And you're going to deal with insecurities your whole life. Because there's some people you can't please no matter what you do. You see, Paul could have given them the letter of recommendations. But Paul knew. There's some people in life you just can't please. I can give them the letter of recommendations and guess what? They'll pick it apart and tell me why it's wrong. There are some people in your life that it doesn't matter what you do. You will never please them. You'll do exactly what they've asked you to do and then they will talk about how you did it, not what you did. And if your self-confidence, if your security depends on the approval of people or someone around you, you'll never accomplish what God has called you to accomplish in life. The second thing is this. He turns it and basically says, our confidence does not come with people or come from people. He says, let me tell you where your confidence comes from. Our confidence comes from what God has done in your life. Your confidence, my confidence in life comes from what God is doing, what God has done in your life. In other words, Paul says, I don't need to boast about myself. I don't need a letter of recommendation. He said, my confidence comes from God and God alone. My confidence comes from what God is doing in my life verse 2 he goes on he says you yourselves are our letter what my letter of recommendation I don't need all that external stuff I've got the degrees I've got the stuff I've got the training I've got the accomplishments I've got it all I don't need it you know you, you want to know my letter of recommendation you're my letter you're my letter of recommendation written on what written on your hearts known and read by everybody that is just huge you show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, in other words, things that can fade, that are temporal, written not with ink, but with the Spirit. I just love this. The Spirit of the living God. It's written by him. Not on tablets of stones. It goes back to the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, the Ten Commandments. Not written on tablets of stone, but on tablets of the human heart. Paul came down and says, you know what, my letter of endorsement, my letter of recommendation, just so we all understand each other, is the changed lives in my ministry. You're my letter of recommendation. What God, not what I've done, what God has done in your life. That's my letter of recommendation. I mean, he says, that speaks for itself. The changed lives that you see in the Corinthian church, what God is doing, the people that are walking away from Judaism, the people that are, that are accepting Christ, the people that are changing their life. He says, that's my recommendation. Listen, a school is evaluated by its students, right? A company is evaluated by its products. And guess what? A church is evaluated by the changed lives in the church the people who came into a relationship with Jesus Christ and it had influenced their life to such depths that they were never the same And what he was saying was this God's people you are our letter read by everybody everywhere you go Man, There are some people that will never listen to a religious broadcast, never listen to a sermon on CD, never scan the Internet and find a sermon and say, Hey, I'll check this out. But what they will do, they'll read your life. Paul said everyone's an open letter, and they'll read your life whether it's in the workplace, whether it's in the school, whether it's in the home, with neighborhood, they'll read your life. And they want to know. Coming into a relationship with Jesus Christ made any difference in your life? Is it just some religious thing that you go through? Is it just motions that you go through? Has it made a difference in your life? See, whether you realize it or not, but Scripture teaches it, people read your life. As a pastor, you're, you're always aware of that. But they not only look at our lives, they look at your life. I never will forget when we first started the church and, and the early days at Hogue Hall and, and uh, on the campus of CSU Pueblo, uh, we had offices on, in the Thatcher building downtown. And so I, on Sunday mornings, I'd go to the Thatcher building, I'd get there early. I'd I 'd pray and work through my sermon and do all that stuff, and I'd, I'd drive to the campus and, and usually would get there just as the ch- service was about ready to start and so so one, one Sunday, I was on my way there and I was running late, you know it, it, so I was frustrated. you know how you get, and I was nervous about not getting there on time and, and so I entered the campus and I was going the, you know, the loop around, and there was a car in front of me, and the car was kind of disoriented and going slow, and, and you know and I'm like, just come, you know maybe I 'm the only one that gets frustrated so <laughs> So I decided to go around them, and there's two ways you can go around people. You can just go around people and just keep doing what you're doing, and or you can go around people and kind of you know let them know that they were in your way and they frustrated you. And you know how you do? You cut in front of them, and you know it's just personal testimony time. And so, uh, so I chose the way to let them know that I was frustrated. So I, I cut in front of them and went on. And well, I'm turning in to the parking lot of the church, and I glance in my rearview mirror. Fortunately they're turning in with me. So I did the godly thing. I drove straight through the parking lot. <laughs> didn't want them to know I was a pastor. I figured they were a first time visitor cuz I didn't recognize them and so so I, I went on through the parking lot and and Steve had called me and Steve's calling me and said, "Hey, where are you?" And I said, "Oh man, you're not going to believe this. I cut I think I cut a first time visitor off in traffic and and so go ahead start the service. I'm taking a t- couple of laps. <laughs> And I'll be right with you, I promise you. It, 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 but you know what? They don't only read. People don't only read a pastor's life. Boy, they read your life. Yeah, they want to know. They want to know, is this Christianity stuff, is it real? Is it just some religious stuff that you go through? Has it made a difference in your life, your family's life, your, how you handle decisions? You see, the world seeks to gain self-confidence by... The externals. Well, I'll tell you, buy a new car. You'll feel better about yourself. You'll gain. You'll gain self-confidence if you just if you just buy a new car. But you buy that car, a year later, there's a newer model and better model coming out, and you realize, you know what? It's it's temporal. Buy a whole new wardrobe. It's it, buy, buy clothes. That'll help you feel better about yourself. But you realize, you know what? That's well, that's temporal too. And so some people say it's in a promotion and it's in in success and it's in in achievement and it's it's in materialism, but but boy, we know that that's all temporal. And Paul came down and says, My letter of recommendation where I get satisfaction is from something that cannot fade away away with ink. It is not something that is written on papyrus. It is not something that is written on paper. It is not something that is temporal. He said, you just got to understand this. Where I get satisfaction, where I get confidence, is something that is written on human hearts. From the living God. Not from ink that's temporal. But something that goes on into eternity. Parents can gain confidence by knowing that their child knows Jesus Christ. Regardless of a decision they're making, regardless of decisions they're making right now, they may not get the degree, they may not get the trophy, their name may not be engraved on any trophy or diploma of the world. But his name is engraved on their heart. And parents can gain confidence in just knowing that I passed on something to my children that goes into eternity. Bible study teachers can gain confidence by the life change that happens from those that are in their group or in their study and what God does in their life children's teachers that we have 200 children every weekend over in the children's area next door to us can gain confidence knowing the kids have accepted Christ in their ministry and there's times when kids accept Christ in our ministry and they go home and talk to mom and dad and they evangelize and they reach a whole family we have baptized whole families because a child over here accepted Christ And listen, I can get an ego boost because of numerical growth and adding services and getting more and more crowded. But if that's all it is, the same thing that can give one confidence can destroy your confidence. What happens when there is no growth? What happens when the attendance goes down and not up? What happens when there's problems? See, if you and I... Aren't careful. The very thing that we think give us confidence will destroy us, because it's external. I don't really get that excited about numbers. What I get excited about is life change. When we've baptized in a year and we're still counting, about 170 folks. People that can say, if I were still trying to please men, I wouldn't be a servant of God. Because I got baptized by a merchant that disappointed a family. That they weren't that thrilled with and they weren't that happy with. But I learned what the Bible has to say about baptism by immersion and by by it's after you meet Christ and not before. It's not something you do as a child, but it's something you do as an adult. And I had to please him. We've had people walk in these doors with all kinds of addictions, from pornography to alcohol to drugs And watch people meet Christ. And watch him take care of that. have a man in our men's ministry that shared his testimony and says, you know what, my truck used to, by itself, after work, drove to the bar. You didn't even know how I got there. I had my stool, my fellowship, my group. And I came to this church, been a believer all my life. But I can remember I came to this church. God did something in my life. I don't even have a desire for that anymore. God totally and radically just took it away. You realize we've had people come to this church that are contemplating suicide within hours. And they decided we'll give church one more shot. We'll give God one more shot. And God did something in their life in that service. And they came down and they talked with us. And we got people around them. That's why we have a Stevens ministry that walks, by, works behind the scenes. It's confidential that you'll never know. I don't even know who all Stevens ministry is. It, it's so confidential that we protect that so people are in a safe place to get help and to get healing. We've had people walk through pain and marriage and relationships and watch them understand forgiveness and biblical forgiveness and how to reconcile and how to put it back together. You have people that have come here and said, our marriage is really struggling. And they started taking biblical principles and just applying it to their life. And they would tell you, now our marriage has never been better. We understand what God expects of a marriage. Do you realize we have over 200 people just life journaling, just taking a Bible. Give us this day our daily bread, a daily word from God. They're willing just to open up his word not using anything else, just his word. It's a bizarre deal when you realize that God can speak to you directly from his word to your heart. And to where it's powerful. It's powerful in my life. And it's not just for pastors. To where you can open up his word and you can hear him speak and it speaks directly into your heart and your situations and your circumstances. And you know it came from him. 200 We got people bringing Bibles for the very first time in church, understanding the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And they're taking those principles and they're applying it to their life and their relationships and their situations. We got. I could just go home forever. It's not about numbers. we got impact ministries that has impacted this community at such a huge level. Whether it's adopting a school, whether it's Thanksgiving baskets. Do you realize we had a group from this church go out Saturday morning to the elderly who do not attend our church, may never attend our church? That's okay. And just rake leaves. Say we're from Fellowship of the Rockies and want to help you and i meet people in the community and introduce them to our church or talk about our church and the number one thing that i get back now is oh you're that church that's interested in the community you're that church you're that's that church that does so much in the community listen let me tell you something the unchurched they know two things about jesus that he cared about the poor and the sick and they wonder why the local church ignores them And to be a church that understands that Jesus Christ cares for the less fortunate, the poor, the sick, the widows. Well, we've had people come to our church through single moms, oil chains that we've done, Thanksgiving baskets. It's... It's not in the numbers. It's not in the external. And sometimes, well done is better than well said. And like Austin said, that we're the body of Christ, and we all fit together with different tasks and different responsibilities. And it just concerns me deeply that the church has been reduced down to a mouth that just tells the the world what they're against and what they don't like. And then they're no longer the hands and the feet and in the ear that will listen and minister to the community. Listen, let me just tell you. Your confidence is not in people. Your confidence is not in popular opinion. Your confidence comes... From God, and the last thing is this, is this is that our confidence in life only comes from relying on God. It comes from a reliance on God. It's so much deeper. Uh, verses four and five, here's what Paul says. Such confidence as this is, is ours through Jesus Christ before God. Not that we are competent in ourselves, that means that means qualified. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competency, our qualifications comes from God and God alone. Listen, I went to Barnes and Nobles and went to the, the self-help section, you know, uh, to where, went to the section to where, where, if you need self-confidence or self-image or dealing with insecurity, all the books I scanned, they all recommended the same thing, that if you want to get out of insecurities, if you want to develop self-confidence in your life, you just got to learn to believe in yourself. You believe that? I mean, Paul's like, it's not in believing of yourself. God's the one that qualifies us. God's the one that makes us competent. And they're telling the world, they're telling you, you know what? You just got to learn to believe in yourself. Listen, I don't care how bright, how smart, how great you are. It's your profession, your career, what you do. The day will come when you make a mistake. The day will come when you blow the deal, you blow the project the day will come when you when you when you go through that time and says I can't believe I did that. And if your confidence is in yourself, you'll be devastated. Cuz that's where you placed your confidence. That's why Paul says Paul says you got to learn. Your reliance is not on self, it's on him and man, I'm telling you. There is great freedom that comes. Great freedom that comes in your life. Great freedom that came in my life when I realized I'm not in control of everything. And I can just relax. Listen, last Sunday night I was teaching foundations and and the group that I was teaching to doesn't even know this happened to me in my life when in the midst of teaching, I was teaching on my favorite doctrine, the doctrine of the local church. And we were going through the church and what it is and focus and, and outreach and all that other stuff. And then I came across the verse, and I'm reading the verse, Ephesians 2, 18 and 19. And God breathed into my life. He preached that verse back into my life while I'm speaking. He's done that several times in my life, and it's always just, wiped me out. In Ephesians 2, 18 and 19, he's talking about the church and the whole building and building it up. And then he says, Jesus is the cornerstone of the church. See, as a pastor, and I'm just going to be real personal, pastors sometimes can carry the weight of a church and believe the weight of the church rests on them. They can carry a lot of stress. In Ephesians, Paul says Jesus is the cornerstone. The cornerstone was the first stone that was laid. It was a foundational stone. It was a stone that was laid to join two walls together. It was a stone that was put in place for two arches. If you remove the stone, the building fell. It was like God just whispered in my ear and says, let me just relieve you of all that stuff. It doesn't rest on you. I'm the cornerstone. You just need to be obedient. You just need to. Rel- you know how much freedom that gave me? Some of you may have been at churches to where it's either told to you or is inferred or it made you feel like that you became the cornerstone of the church. And it was up to you for the church to survive. And listen, let me tell you something. Jesus communicated to me very clearly. Gu- Guess what, Charlie? I'm the cornerstone. It is a great day in my life. It is a great day in your life to realize I am not in control. And I can just relax. And that was what Paul was trying to get them to understand is that your, your confidence doesn't come in accomplishments. It doesn't come in, in, in your resume. It doesn't come in what people say about you because that may or may not be true. It comes in God and God alone and learning to rely on on him. Here a while back, my wife bought me a GPS. I was too cheap to buy it for myself, and so she bought it because I get lost everywhere I go, even in Pueblo. I mean, I have no sense of direction Whenever, whenever I go to Denver. I get lost. I call Steve. Steve does it. Even the first thing Steve says is, "Where are the mountains in your windshield, rearview mirror, passenger mirror?" So, because he, he knows I can't tell him north, south, east, west. I'm just done. I mean, it's embarrassing to admit, but and to be a guy. But that's just me. And so, Karen bought me this GPS. And so, it, how it works: you just punch in your destination, and she gets you there, and uh, turn by turn. And so, but here's here's what I love about my GPS. When I make a wrong turn, she simply says, recalculate. She's not mad. <laughs> She's not angry. She's not disappointed. It's not, how could you? You're a loser. You know? I understand there's a Mr. T voice out. I'm kind of wanting that. But, but it's, it's not, you're a loser. She's not mad. She's not disappointed. But when she says, recalculate, she says it in such a way of, Confidence. No worries. I'll still get you there. When you come into a relationship with Jesus Christ and you make a wrong turn, see, here's what I'll never understand about the sovereignty of God. I I just I just don't understand it. The sovereignty of God, God's plan for your life, it accounts for my wrong turns my wrong decisions and gets me to God's desired destination. It's called the grace of God. And then when we learn that our reliance is on him to get us to the destination, and when we go through relational difficulties, when we go through hurt, when we go through pain, when, when we make that wrong turn, God's not angry. God's not mad. God's not like saying, how could you? Recalculate. Recalculate. I could get mad at the GPS and turn it off and blame the GPS. A lot of people do that with God, right? But as long as I keep it on, I'll get there. And I can rest in that. And there's confidence in that. As long as we continue our relationship with God and we keep walking with Him, recalculate. And I'll get you there.